Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 18, I believe this is. Yes, 18. Um, obviously, lots to get into. Uh, combat sports, got UFC 257 to talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the main fight and then we'll do, you know, what are the fights to make next at 155. Also, what's next for all the main guys that can beat him from the previous Saturday on the 16th, the guys that fought on the 20th, and uh, the th- three women that looked really, really, really good on the 23rd. Then we'll get into headlines. We'll get into a little rank this list. Got four of them. NBA talk. I'm going to do my first way too early 2021 NBA lottery mock draft. So just the lottery picks. Then we'll get into, we'll do some trade packages for three guys that I know are probably, that could possibly be on the move or have been the most talked about to be on the move. And we'll do some headlines, a little would you rather, got five of those. And obviously we'll get, the last thing we'll get into is NFL my official 2021 NFL Mock Draft 2.0. Start out with combat sports. Obviously a tough one. Uh, UFC 257, Justin Poirier. Uh, TKO's Conor McGregor in uh, round two. Obviously it was a tough one to watch. Uh, Conor looked very good in round one. Um, leg kicks won Poirier the fight. Uh, Conor became a stationary target, so it was just easy for, him to, easy for Poirier to pick him apart. Uh, with strikes to the head after the leg kick settled in. And um, it was a tough one to watch. It is what it is. It's, you know, the fight game is a fight game. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Rarely you get guys that go undefeated like Habib, but obviously he's not even taking the risk to keep his undefeated record. He's retiring at 31 or whatever, however he is, 32. Rarely guys go undefeated. John Jones, you know, he's sticking around a little longer, so there's potential he loses. But who, it's rare you go undefeated in this game. It's rare anybody goes the entire their entire career with, Without losing, um, you know, George St. Pierre had two losses. He ended up revenging those two losses, though. So he, you know, that's that's insane in itself that he's twenty six and two or twenty seven and two, and he's he's beaten everybody he's fought though. He beat Matt Hughes twice. He came back and beat Matt Sarah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you lose fights, and uh, you know, Connor did really good after the loss to Nate Diaz. Came come back with a different game plan, and I think he'll do the same in the trilogy. And the trilogy is going to be next. Uh, Poirier wants obviously Poirier at this point in his career he wants to find the biggest fight possible. I mean, the two guys he called out he even said he dismissed everybody Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira Justin Gaethje he dismissed all those guys. The two guys he said was either the Connor trilogy or Nate Diaz. So he wants the big fight. Obviously, he, you know whether the belt's on the line or not doesn't matter to me. Maybe it matters to Poirier more, but I don't think it really. Even though Connor said he would like it to be, I don't think he cares. I think he's worried about getting the win back. And in my opinion. I know people can say I'm a I'm a Connor Homer, so it is what it is. You know, if you don't want to take this as it is, but I I truly believe this that Poirier fought to the best of his abilities. I think he fought an A plus fight that night. I thought Connor fought a C fight, in my opinion. And people are saying, well, you know, he needs to get back to the in and out movement. Sure, that would help, but it wasn't even that. It was uh, the boxing stance was fine. He the first round he looked great. Uh, caught off guard by the takedown, popped back up. In my opinion, won the clinch. I think he should utilize the clinch a little more. In, in the third fight, and I think he will. They see this. Connor and his coach are smart. They see this. is what they did in the Nate. They had a tremendous game plan coming out in the Nate fight. Another thing they could do and should do is, we saw Poirier, he's been ter- uh, torn up by some leg kicks in the past. Gaethje tore his leg up real bad. And when it's southpaw versus southpaw, it's easier to, obviously it's either to kick that league leg with power. In my opinion, Connor's going to come out with leg kicks like he, like he did against Nate Diaz. He's going to come out with leg kicks because Connor hit Poirier with two nice leg kicks and buckled him on one of them. So yeah, Connor's going to come out with a way new game plan, and I understand people probably think Poirier is going to win. I disagree completely. 
the casual fan, I think a lot of them are, you know, jumping off Connor, you know, saying, oh, Poirier's just, you know, Poirier's hunger. Well, I disagree. Connor's right. I, I think I was wrong. I thought the, uh, I thought the activity wouldn't have mattered of him not fighting in a year. I didn't think that would matter as much, but it did. It definitely did because Connor didn't look comfortable in there. Yes, he won the first round, but in my opinion, it, he didn't look comfortable in there. I never thought he looked comfortable, and I, I could tell off the jump he was like, damn, he really doesn't look comfortable at all. I could tell it off the go. Um, the third fight is going to be way different. Uh, first off, the leg kicks, he's going to be prepared for those calf kicks now, and he's going he's gonna to throw some kicks of his own because he realize, I think he's going to realize on the film when he hit Poirier with those two solid, leg, powerful leg kicks, he hurt Poirier with them, and you saw Poirier get very badly hurt by Gaethje um, with the leg kicks. So I, I think that the third fight's going to be a lot different. Um, Poirier's obviously, I, like I said, he's a great fighter. In my opinion, he's the number one lightweight in the world. If you had to rank the lightweights, because Khabib is retired, that guy's retired. He said he did. He obviously Khabib was only going to come back if Connor won, because how if he was looking for impressiveness, how much more impressive can he get than Michael Chandler getting a knockout in round one and Poirier knocking out Connor in round two? Well, how much more impressive can he get? So obviously he was only looking for the Connor fight. He wasn't looking to fight any of these other guys. So he's retired. Poirier's the number one guy. Uh, the trilogy just makes sense. It was a, it, it's the 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 early buys were one point six. They think it'll probably be up to one point eight, one point nine million. So it's the second biggest pay per view in UFC history. So why why would you not run it back? You know, uh, I think there's there's no way around it unless Poirier choose end up, at the end of the day ends up choosing to fight Chandler for the title. That's fine too. Uh, that's what I I would have if he was to choose between two fights. It would be either Connor or the title. And if if he can get the title, he should go for the belt first. And Connor can fight a guy like Nate. Or somebody else to get a you know get a fight, try to get a win, and then fight Poirier after that. Um, but like I said, I thought it looked Connor looked off to me. Uh, the entire fight, he looked off. Even when he won the first round, uh, I still think he looked off. It didn't look like him at all. Um, I don't know what that was. Uh, but yeah, I just I think everything like I said, I thought Connor fought his C fight, and I thought Poirier fought his A plus. I don't think he can fight any better than that. I really don't think Dustin Poirier can fight any better than he fought that night. And guess what? That may be enough to beat Conor McGregor now. We don't know. Now it's a big mystery. What is Connor made of? Are you gonna step back up and you gonna go get this back? Or are you know are you gonna are you gonna shell out? So maybe if Connor comes back in there, maybe Poirier's A plus game is good enough to beat Connor's A or A plus game now. That that's a that's a possibility. I'm not here to dismiss that. But I do think Connor's C game in his C game he he won around he won the first round he looked good in the first round. So to me, if Connor fought at if to me if Connor fought at B plus he would have won that fight. But it was the leg kicks and to me I don't even know if he would have fought at his A plus it would have mattered because I guarantee you he didn't think that was going to happen. I guarantee you he did not think Poirier was going to come out and throw the calf kicks. But now you're ready for that. So that's what I'm saying. Poirier fought his A plus fight and if Connor fought his A plus fight I think Connor wins. I think Connor has two different levels higher he could get to, if not three, that he fought at uh, last Saturday. It was a terrible performance, in my opinion. I would grade his honestly. I wouldn't even grade. I would grade Connor's performance as a D plus. I thought it was bad, even though he won around. He won around, but I thought it was bad. He didn't the movement. He didn't throw enough kicks. And when he threw the kick, he threw two kicks that were pretty nice, and he threw them full, caught half hand, half head on the head kick. Uh, threw some nice, the two leg kicks were nice. Like, I don't understand why he didn't throw more kicks. That's, that was such a, that was such a, uh, just such a, it was a, it, that was his thing when he was coming up, man. The kicks were so nice. All the kicks he would throw was so nice and he didn't use, use them at all. 
in my opinion, I think he got in his head about boxing Manny Pacquiao to where he wanted to come out and just strictly box. Now he knows, though, after this loss, why well, can't just come out there and strictly box against Dustin Poirier? This is the best lightweight in the world. So I can't just come out and box him or I'm going to lose again because obviously that doesn't work. You have to mix in everything. The kicks got to be involved in the game plan, man. That's what won him the first. I mean, one, really, the kicks that he landed in the first fight, the bod- the spinning back kicks that he landed the body against Poirier in the first fight, the leg kicks he landed, those what set up the left hand. And uh, in my opinion, the reason why the left hand, even though he stung him twice or two or three times with the left hand, because the reason why it did not hurt Poirier is because he knew it was coming. He knew Connor's game plan immediately, what was coming in. Strictly boxing. So you know what you you don't have to worry about leg kicks. You don't have to worry about the kicks. You're worried about the left hand, the right hand, the right jab, the right hook, the left uppercut, the right uppercut. You're worried about boxing. So you only you're not focused on anything else. Connor should also implement the clinch because he's in my opinion he's stronger than Poirier, and he did well. And Connor won the clinch in my opinion. Going back and I've watched the fight three or four times now. It pissed me off to watch because it's like dude, he just did not fight anywhere near what he could do. Um, the clinch, Connor won the clinch. He should utilize the clinch more against Poirier. Utilize kicks, get back to kicking because that sets up the left hand. Because then Poirier's Poirier's knees, the flying knees that he was throwing, he, you know, he threw a nice flying knee against Cowboy. Use your knees. Use an elbow out of. The, he did use an elbow out of the clinch. Use your kicks because it sets up your left hand. Because Poirier was able to just focus on that left hand coming, and I think that's why he could never. That's why he's not. He's not going to drop him because you got to. You got to be catching him off guard with it. You can't just be throwing the left every time. Poirier knows it's coming. He's going to be on the turn. Yeah, it connected. It did connect hard two or three times. But Poirier is able to also roll with it, and he's moving as the punch is coming instead of you connecting with him as he didn't when he didn't see it coming. You know, I think the kicks are going to be a huge game plan or a huge, huge in the game plan in the trilogy. The clinch is going to be big. Um, because in my opinion, Poirier doesn't take him down if Connor was prepared for that. Obviously, he's gonna be ready, more ready now for Poirier to wrestle. Um, Poirier got a he got a surprise takedown, and then Connor pops right back up quickly. So you know that is what it is. Um, the wrestling and the clinch have me no worries. I think Connor's fine there against Dustin, but you got to use utilize the kicks. You know, um, and the no switch of stances. You know that was a, that was a huge thing they worked on. I know uh, for this camp was switching stances and giving more looks, and Connor just never did that. You know, I don't know if they just went away from the game plan or what, but. He uh he didn't really he didn't switch stances one time um I didn't like that because I love when he I love when he switches stances because he he can throw that uh that front high kick with the lead leg he can throw the left hook uh, followed by the right uppercut um you know and he didn't utilize any of that but yeah Poirier looked good like I said Poirier fought the best fight he ever could have and guess what now he's 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 up there and he's he knows that him and Connor are gonna that pay per view is gonna do more than one point eight next time it's gonna do well over two. It went in the trilogy. Everyone's going to want to see it. Connor knocked him out the first time. Poirier knocks him out this time. So, uh, yeah, let's do it again for sure. I think that'll definitely be straight off. Poirier's looking for the big fights now, and there's nothing bigger than the trilogy with Connor. He can take Connor out of the sport, in my opinion. I think if Poirier were to beat Connor again, I don't think you see Connor come back because why would you come back? You know, I think Connor's a guy, he's not, people think he's looking for these like celebrity money fights. Is he though? Because. When in the UFC has he done that? The only time he had, the only time he fought like the non-biggest name, non-biggest guy at the time was Nate, but that was a step, eleven-day step in. He lost. He's like, well, I have to do a rematch now. He won the rematch. Well, he fought Eddie, who was the two, who was the one fifty-five champion. He fought Khabib, who was the champ. He fought Aldo. He fought Mendez. 
Yeah, he fought Floyd, but Floyd was still one of the best pound-for-pound boxers in the world, and he went 10 rounds with him. So I don't understand this thing where, you know, Connor's he's going to turn into a celebrity fighter. No, he's not. He wants to be at the top. So he knows if he can't go back and beat Poirier, who in my opinion is the number one lightweight in the world right now, if he can't go beat Poirier in the trilogy, well, then he knows he's just not the best anymore. So the trilogy will happen next, and that's what Connor's going to gun for. If not, then Nate fights there, I'm sure. Because if... If Dustin doesn't fight Connor, I'm guessing it's because the UFC is going to offer him a boatload of money to fight Chandler or Oliveira for the title, is my guess. So here are the fights I would make next at 155. Obviously, Connor Poirier 3. And I'm not putting the title on any of these because I don't care where the title goes. I'm a Connor guy, so I just want Connor to fight Poirier. It doesn't even have to be for the title. Fuck the title at this point. We want Poirier next. We can get to the title after if we beat after we beat Poirier for a third time. Then we can focus on the title. I don't care about it at this point. So then I have Justin Gaethje, Nate Diaz. That's a fight that's been rumored already. Anyways, obviously Nate started calling out Poirier after the fight. I don't think he gets that fight. So I think you're going to see Nate Gaethje. Then I do Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson, outstanding fight there, and then Michael Chandler Oliveira. Now, if I had to put the title on either of these four fights, I would. I don't care, so I would do Chandler Oliveira for the belt, but you could do uh, Poirier McGregor 3 for the title too if you wanted to, but I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> the title means nothing right now. All that matters is getting that trilogy fight and getting this back. That's all that matters. The belt is nonsense. Chandler Oliveira should fight for the belt. I would, I would lean towards saying Chandler Oliveira for the belt. Poirier, Connor, trilogy, and then if whoever wins that fight can fight Chandler Oliveira for the title after that. So, yeah. That's what I would do. Now, let's say Poirier goes, go ahead, goes ahead and fights Chandler for the title. The reason I don't think Oliveira is going to get a title shot is because he turned down fight. You can't do this in the sport. You, they offered you Justin Gaethje and you turned it down. So here's what could happen. Let's say Chandler Poirier go. I think then if you see Chandler Poirier get booked, you're going to see Con- they're going to move towards Connor Nate 3. And then you're going to see Oliveira. He's going to have to fight Gaethje or what are you going to keep sitting out? So then you do Oliveira Gaethje, and then you still do Hooker Ferguson next. But uh, yeah, Oliveira, in my opinion, I, I think they're very reluctant right now to reward him with a title shot, even though he's won eight in a row. Because when you turn down fights, the UFC does not like that. Have a look at Leon Edwards. He waited how long for a fight, and they give him the hottest prospect. And a, you know, it's not really, I wouldn't say it's a lose-lose scenario, because if he wins, he takes all that momentum that Hamza has. But he really screwed himself. He could have fought Gilbert Burns. He could have fought uh, um, Michael Chiesa. Uh, or it was Chiesa. Who they offered? Woodley. He could have fought Woodley. So at the time, he could have fought Woodley. So he turned down fights, and look what happens. UFC doesn't reward you with shit. Oliveira turning down the fight with Gaethje, and then also turning down the fight with Chandler. Hooker, uh, as Hooker stated in the press conference, that it was actually Oliveira who turned down the fight first. It was Ferguson who said no first, coming off a loss, he wanted more time. Oliveira then turned it down, and then Hooker took it. So, I don't think they're going to reward, in my opinion, if the fights happen like this, Gaethje, Nate, Hooker, Ferguson, Chandler, Oliveira, Poirier, Connor 3, the title's going to be online for Poirier, Connor, because I don't think they're going to reward Charles Oliveira for turning down fights. They don't do that. The UFC does not do that. I would say that I would do Chandler Oliveira for the title. I'm guessing, though, at the end of the day, if Poirier Connor 3 is made, that will be for the belt. I have a feeling. And I know a lot of people are going to hate that. And guess what? Is it unfair? Sure. But what is Con- Conor McGregor has made this 
Conor McGregor has transformed the sport, man. You know, he's 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 made this so much bigger. All his pay per views do well. He's the biggest star in the he's the biggest star in the sport. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, yeah. So I I do think it, yeah sure it's unfair I, I guess but it's also well you know what look what Connor's done for us over the years yeah we'll give him, we'll give him a chance at the belt and if he beats Poirier in the third fight then it's like okay then it you know that's fine because he be, he's beaten Poirier twice now so then he should be the number one guy if Poirier beats him well then Poirier should be the champ too so it might be it's not that bad of a it's not that bad of fucking anyone over if you do that one for the title again. Oliveira, don't turn down fights. It's a mistake. Guys turning down fights is a mistake. They don't reward you at all. All right, so let's uh, let's go what's next. Uh, we, we'll start with the December 16th card. Matt Brown, I'd love to see Mike Perry. That'd be a good fight if Brown wants to fight again. Carlos Condit, three guys I threw out there. Lawler rematch, Nick Diaz, Dan Hardy, who's returning. One of those three would be great. Don't give him anyone elite. I know he's won a couple in a row, but let's keep with the fun ones. Calvin Cater, I would say either the Korean Zombie or Josh Emmett. Uh, zombie being the first option, then Emmett being the second option. For Holloway, number one option is you wait for uh, Volk Ortega winner. Two, if you don't want to wait, you fight Zabit. I think it's a great matchup for Holloway. Uh, then the Wednesday card, Warley Alves. I put on uh, Lee Jean Lang. Uh, I had Vicente Luca, but I guess he's fighting Woodley. So, yeah, I think Lee Jean Lang makes a lot of sense. Neil Magny, I would say either Jeff Neal or Bilal Muhammad. For Michael Chiesa, it's either number one, Wonderboy, or two, Damian Maia's retirement fight. Uh, Juliana Pena, who got a big submission win, called out Nunez, chill. But I would say I'd love to see her fight one of the top contenders, so either Holly Holm or Aspen Ladd. Uh, Joanne Calderwood gets a big win over Jessica I. I'd either say Cynthia Calvillo or Vivian Arajo, who uh, beat Roxanne Martafari. And then Mar- Marina Rodriguez, who had a nice knockout win. I would either do the uh, uh, Jan... Uh, who's ranked third, or Nina Ansaroff, who is uh, ranked right above her at five. Um, so let's get into some headlines coming up. Uh, UFC, the UFC announced their next three pay-per-views. So UFC 258 on February 13th will uh, be headlined officially by Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns for the welterweight title. This fight's been booked now. This is the third time it's been booked, I believe. All right, let's see it happen. I'm interested in that fight for sure. UFC 259 gets three title fights. There's going to be five title fights total in the in March in the month of March on two cards. Uh, UFC 259 will be headlined by Jan Blahovich versus Israel Adesanya for the light heavyweight title. The co-main event will be Amanda Nunes defending the featherweight title against Megan Anderson, and another title fight. Peter Jan defends his bantamweight world title against Aljamain Sterling, and then a big time doubleheader on. March 27th, UFC 260, headlined by Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou 2. The co-main event will be Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. That is a great headliner and co-headliner. I love that. Dana said not looking good for Khabib to return. Obviously, I think that's known. He's, he's retired. Um, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and Eddie Alvarez will be on the ones the One Championships TNT card on April 7th. I'm guessing Mighty Mouse will be the headliner. Eddie Alvarez probably the co-headliner, I'm sure, too. Um, Ryan Garcia announces he's going to face Manny Pacquiao next. So that's interesting. I wonder where they're doing that at weight class wise. Cause what Garcia fights at 135. Manny fights at 147. Is he jumping up two weight classes? Or are they doing like a catch weight bout? I don't know. Uh, Pavetkin versus Dillian White too, set for March 6th. Obviously Pavetkin had a shocking knockout of Dillian White. 
in their first fight. White getting obviously the immediate rematch he has in his championship clause. So that'll be that'll be a heavyweight uh, rematch March sixth. Who has a bigger year, Loma, Wilder, or Manny? Um, well, I don't think Loma or Wilder will lose this year because the fights they're going to be having they're not gonna, they're going to get favorable matchups. Maybe unless Loma gets the Tiafimo rematch, that's a tough fight. Manny's going to have a lot tougher fights. The Ryan Garcia one's interesting. I'm really interested in that because obviously Garcia's bigger, but he fights at a lower weight class. Um, Manny probably has the chance to have a bigger year because the fights he could win. Let's say he beats Ryan Garcia and steals the star. Pa- I mean, just just knocks out this you know the new guy. He beat. What if he beats Garcia? And then what if he goes and would beat Earl Spence? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. How I feel about it. Or is, is it 147 or is he fought at 154? I think it's 147. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a 147-er. Um, but yeah, I think I think Loma has the bigger year. I don't think he loses this year. I think he'll fight two or three times, and I think he'll he'll win all of them. I think he's going back down in weight, to be honest, from 135 to 130. But Manny has the potential to have the biggest year because the guys he could fight and potentially beat, he, he he's, a, he's probably going to be a dog in Garcia and... Um, God damn it, who's the guy I just named? Can't think of his name now. But he's going to be, if it's Bug, even if it was Bug Crawford, uh, he'd be the dog in all of those fights. Earl Spence, he'd be the dog in all three of those. But God, if he could win, if let's say, I'm guessing he has two fights this year. He fights Garcia, probably in April or May, and then fights later this year if he could, even if he loses to Garcia, I don't think they'll fight at 147. I'm guessing it'd be a 140 fight. Or a catchweight at like 143. So let's say then he could fight Earl Spence at the end of the year. Yeah, I think Gar- I think Gar- Manny has a chance to have the biggest year. I'll go Loma, though. Let's get into a rank this list. Top five NFL teams you think will have the biggest offseason. Okay. So number one, I'm going to say Jacksonville. And obviously this is kind of a, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, really, you're picking the shittier team? No, well, I'm looking at it in depth. They have a shit ton of cap. They have five five or six picks in the first three rounds. Yeah, I think Urban Meyer's going to come in there and do some damn good things. I'm going to say Jacksonville. Two, I'm going to say New England. I'm going to say New England's going to have a really good offseason. I think they're going to turn it around. They're going to contend for the playoffs next year. With that being said, who do they, you know, are they going to go trade for a, potentially a, a Matt Ryan, a Sam Darnold, a Stafford, a Goff? Possibly. We'll see what happens. Uh, number three, the Miami Dolphins. Again, a team with cap. Uh, a young quarterback, they're going to go out. I think they're going to go out and do great things for their offense, whether it's drafting or signing a big-time receiver in free agency. Uh, the Ravens, I think they're actually going to go out there and sign one of the top uh, receiving receivers, either whether it's Galladay, Godwin, uh, Allen Robinson, Will Fuller. I think they're going to get one of those guys to help Lamar. I really do. And that would be phenomenal for their offseason. And I'm going to say Jets 5. I don't think – and it really depends. Really, this list could change by do the Dolphins – or the Jets land Watson because that bumps you up my list high. But I don't know who's going to land Watson because there's a lot of teams that are he, – he likes the Jets and the Dolphins, but he's not against like five or six other teams also. Sam Fran is a potential one. Uh, Denver um, he likes. Um, I mean, there's a couple other teams. Uh, I, I, don't, I, re- I don't know if he wants the Patriots though. I really haven't heard of the Patriots. So I'm thinking it's those four might be the front runners. Um, yeah. So – 
that really could, you know, Jets and Dolphins moving up if you can land Watson. Rank the potential QBs who could be traded this offseason from best to worst. So I'm ranking, this isn't like how the likelihood of them being traded. Who would I rather have? So at eight, I have Carson Wentz. I, I just, I've, I was, you know, I was really right on him. I don't think he's that good. I just really don't think he's that good in the NFL. Seven, Drew Locke. Not super high on him either. I like the arm talent, but I'm not super high on him either. Character, problems with his character for sure. Uh, six, Derek Carr. Obviously, there's potential of Carr being moved. Uh, him and Gruden kind of butt heads, so we'll see what happens there, but he'd be the sixth best. Five, Matt Ryan. Not high on Matt Ryan anymore. I think, yeah, he still can put up some big games here and there. I just don't think he's a guy that can go win you football games. Uh, four, Jared Goff. Uh, I do like Goff still. I, you know, my, my like for him dipped a little this year. Um, but he's also playing the broken thumb when he had that poor game. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still fine on Goff. Three, Sam Darnold would be my third. I think Sam Darnold has been wrongly criticized for the team that has been put around him. If he would go to the Colts... Or he would go to the Broncos or something like that. The pa- or maybe not the Patriots, unless the Patriots do have a great offseason like they think it, I think they will. But let's just say he goes to either the Colts or the Broncos or the Redskins. I think he's going to be a really, really good quarterback that can win you games and put you in good situations. Two, Matt Stafford for sure. Two and one are easy. Stafford, two. Going to go to a good team, I hope. I hope it, we have. I think we have that list. We'll talk about that later in the NFL. Or is it the Would You Rather? No. Okay. Oh yeah, we have Lions and Stafford will part ways. Where will they trade him? I listed four teams. We'll get to that on the on that on the NFL segment. Um, so Stafford two, Watson one, obviously, and he's gonna one and two are for sure gone. Watson and Stafford are for sure going to be moved this offseason. They will be playing for new football teams next year. All right. So top five title contenders in the East right now. So this isn't like standings. This is who do I have the most trust in to be a title contender. So in the East, at five, yes, they're playing poorly now. The Miami Heat, I think they will make a move. I don't trust the Pacers over the Heat, even though the Pacers are playing well right now. I think the, I think the Heat could realistically go get uh, Bradley Beal and flip the season around and become top two, top three team in the East. Uh, four, the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not... I'm not ridiculously high on the Bucks. I don't trust Giannis to win big games at all. At all. I don't trust him to win big games at all. They could be in the move for Bradley Beal. You got Chris Middleton. You could be able to trade him to get him and some other assets. They need that. Because Bradley Beal's a guy I would trust more to go win a game than Giannis Antetokounmpo, to be honest with you. Three, the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I like the Celtics a lot. I, I trust Tatum and Brown down the stretch more than I do Giannis. And they still have Kimba, who's a big game shooter as well, if he can stay healthy. You could, I could flip the Bucks and Celtics if Kimba can't stay healthy because I think he's a huge piece to their puzzle. I don't think they can compete for a title if Kimba's not healthy, in my opinion. I don't think they can compete with the Sixers or Nets. So two, Philadelphia. Reason why. They found a legit roster that fits Simmons and Embiid. Uh, they almost blew the game to the Lakers last night. They Big shot by Tobias Harris. They have Tobias Harris who can be your second scorer behind Embiid. Simmons is a great defender. They actually just found a roster that fits around them. And one is, it's still going to be Brooklyn right now. Uh, how can you not favor Brooklyn when you got KD, Kyrie, and Harden? You know, you got to favor them. So, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Nets as the number one. Top five title contenders in the West. At five, I got the Phoenix Suns. Uh, still figuring each other out. Uh, definitely trying to figure out the rotation, uh, figure out how they can play together and be, how they can be at their best together. 
Uh, but I like the Suns. At four, the Utah Jazz. I think a lot of people would have them one. I have the Nuggets at three. I think a lot of people right now would have the Jazz over the Nuggets. I still trust the Nuggets more in the playoffs. Um, but I do love what the Jazz are doing. Uh, Donovan Mitchell out right now, I believe. But, yeah, I like the Jazz a lot. Obviously, the Nuggets at three. I'm still a huge believer in Jokic and Murray in the clutch situations. Two, the Clippers pretty easily. Um, you know, Kawhi and Paul George playing very well this year. Saw the ESPN power rankings had the Jazz at one, the Clippers at two, and the Lakers at three. That's a joke. And obviously the Lakers are the, two, num- the number one title contenders, the favorites in all of the NBA. That is my top five title contenders in the West. NBA headlines. Lakers of the field. Let's answer it quickly. Lakers. Can the Nets figure it out defensively? They're going to have games where they play good defensively, but they're going to have more games where they play bad defensively because they're, they're, they're doing so much offensively, you know? Especially against the really good teams when – you know you can't stop the other team to where you just Olay defense it and just try to outscore them. They're going to have a lot of those games. They lost to Cleveland twice. So I think they can be okay, like in not okay, definitely under average, you know, 30 teams. I'd say their defense would rank anywhere from 22 to 26, 20 to 25 maybe. No, I don't think they'll figure it out all the way. I think they'll have games where they look better defensively, but how much is better? Going from the 25th best defense to maybe like the 17th best defense? Won't matter. Uh, should the Heat go all in for Beal? Absolutely. Yes, they should. No doubt you should go all in for Beal. Um, they need him right now. They definitely need him. Uh, Lakers and Clippers are monitor, uh, monitoring Beal. That won't matter. Uh, they, neither of them can really make a trade happen. It would almost be desperation to where no teams are offering picks and you just trade them to the Lakers or Clippers, but that won't happen at all. Uh, Drummond could be bought out. Lakers, Clippers, Nets will be his top option. So the top three teams in the NBA. Trade packages for these players. So these are the three guys I've seen on the rumor mill for trades the most. Beal, Oladipo, Lonzo Ball. Let's start with Lonzo Ball. So I picked three teams. I thought that would be a good fit and could make the move for him. So the number one option for me would be the New York Knicks. You trade Frank. Uh, Frank Nixtalina, Kevin Knox, and a protected first-rounder. The Mavericks, who I think could use a defensive guard next to Luka. If Luka's going to play the one and the two, got to get a guy that can play really good defense next to him. Lonzo can do that. Mavs trade Hardaway Jr. and Finney Smith for Lonzo. Dallas also receives J.J. Redick. 76ers trade Danny Green, Mike Scott, Terrence Ferguson, and a protected first-rounder for Lonzo Ball, and they also receive Redick. Victor Oladipo, number one option, the Miami Heat. Uh, trade Duncan Robinson, Andre Gidala, Kelly Olenek for Victor Oladipo. And the Heat also received P.J. Tucker. The Dallas Mavericks, another defense. You know, Oladipo's good at defense. Put him next to Luka. Hardaway Jr. and Tyrell Terry and a, and a protected first rounder for Oladipo. 76ers also on this list. Uh, Danny Green, Matisse Thybul and a protected first-rounder, heavily protected first-rounder for Victor Oladipo. So now, Bradley Beal. Um, so the number three trade package that I could see them accepting, that the three I picked, I created all these, by the way, too. I just went on to the NBA trade machine thing, and I made the moves I thought would make sense for Bradley Beal. He has a no-trade clause, so he's going to want to go to a contained team. He's not going to Charlotte or something like that or Cleveland. Um, so I'd say the number three option would be the Bucks. They trade Middleton, DiVincenzo, Jordan Moore, Jordan Nora, and multiple first rounders for Bradley Beal. 
The only reason I say the Wizards wouldn't like that is because Middleton has so many years left on his deal and they would rather prefer to get young assets back. So the Heat trade Tyler Hero, Andre Gudala, Chris Dunn, Kelly Olenek, and multiple first-rounders for Bradley Beal. And I actually changed this. You're going to probably have to give up and not Chris Dunn. You're going to have to give up uh, Duncan Robinson if you want this trade to go down, in my opinion. So, yeah, Duncan Robinson. So, Hero, Iguodala, Robinson, Olenek, and multiple first-rounders. The number one trade package. The reason why this is number one for me is for the Nuggets being number one is because, first off, they're in the West. Secondly, I think you get the highest potential player back out of these three trades. You get Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, P.J. Dozier, and multiple first-rounders for Bradley Beal. You, in my opinion, Porter Jr. is the best. Maybe he's not better than Middleton right now all the way, but he definitely has a much higher ceiling to be better than Middleton. Uh, and here we go. We're going to get into my way too early. Uh, my way too early. My way too early 2021 NBA lottery mock draft. So again, this is way too early, but in which these obviously there's no team's lottery. You know, this is just who has the worst records right now. Um, I'll say right now, let's see. The Knicks have multiple picks because of trades. They have the 10th pick and the 13th. Is there any other team with multiple, tra- multiple picks? Does not look like it. Okay. Oh, the Thunder have 5 and 11. That's nice. Um, so let's get in. The first pick, I would have the Wizards. So I'm guessing they're moving off of Beal. you got to go best available. A guy that can be a game changer for your franchise. Cade Cunningham is the best player in this draft, in my opinion. That would be the pick. Uh, for the Pistons, you drafted a point guard. You have so many bigs. Go get a two guard, Jalen Green, who chose to play for the Ignite team in the G League this year. He's a freak. You need a two guard. That's the pick. Uh, this is Minnesota. Uh, you could go. I could have went point guard here for Minnesota as well, but they have Ruby under contract for two more years. I went a small forward, Jalen Johnson out of Duke. I like him a lot, and I think this fits. This plugs in a hole. That they need. They could have went power forward as well with Kuminga. I didn't do that though. Uh, number four, the Pelicans. Obviously, I think they're going to move off Lonzo. They're definitely not going to re-sign him. So I have them taking Jalen Suggs. The They have him as a shooting guard. He's a point guard in the NBA out of Gonzaga. Um, Oklahoma City. I went big guy here with their first pick because I thought you could get the big guy. Is so if you're not going to pick Mobley here, he's not going to fall to 11. So I thought you'd have to pick Evan Mobley here. So the center out of USC, Evan Mobley to Oklahoma City at five. Kings. Well, I mean, you could use anything but a point guard. I went ahead and I said Scotty Barnes, the small forward from Florida State. I think he's phenomenal. That'd be a great great fit. Uh, the Bulls. I don't think they keep Lowry Markkinen. I really don't. I have them picking Jonathan Kuminga, the power forward, who also is playing for the Ignite team. Charlotte. I don't think they trust... They're power forward to uh, P.J. Washington as much as people would think. I have them picking Greg Brown, the power forward from Texas. At nine, the Toronto Raptors. I have them getting a two, good two-way guy, a bucket getter, James uh, Booknight from UConn, the 6'5 shooting guard. Uh, the Knicks, I think they can play R.J. at the three. So I have them picking Zaire Williams from Stanford, the shooting guard. He's 6'8 as well. He's nice. Then I have Oklahoma City picking a point guard. They have Shea at the two. You get your center in Mobley. I have them picking Sharif Cooper, the point guard from Auburn. Uh, Houston, really just anything. I, I think they'll move off from Oladipo. So I have them going to get a shooting guard. Moses Moody from Arkansas, really like him a lot. 6'6 shooting guard. I then have the Knicks picking power forward slash center. 
Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. And then I have the San Antonio Spurs, who I think they'll lose to Rosen, picking shooting guard from Arizona State, Josh Christopher. So there is that. So let's get into a little would you rather. Um, would you rather have Goff or Wentz going forward? Goff for sure. I heard Wentz is a crybaby. Kind of hard to deal with. So I, I go Goff. Doesn't seem like there's any issues there. And I think he's definitely a better quarterback. Trust the Nets or the Sixers in the playoffs. It's tight, but I'm still going to go Nets right now. And we kind of had this question earlier, but yeah, I'm going to go Nets for sure. Having KD, I'll trust them. Uh, would you rather have Watson or Baker? Uh, this question was put on here because uh, a Cleveland Twitter account, a Browns Twitter account tweeted why Cleveland should seriously look at Watson. <laughs> so obviously swapping Watson for Baker. And Baker said something on it. I would obviously rather have Watson, but I don't think Cleveland – that would be nonsense for Cleveland. They don't. That's nothing they really need to do. But God, if they told me, you know, Baker for Watson and like a second rounder, maybe I'd probably do it to be honest. But I'd rather have Watson for sure, but that's just be real. Baker's not on the move. Would you rather have the Chelsea or Arsenal job right now? Both teams are very underperforming, especially Chelsea. I didn't think Arsenal was going to be near the top four. I had Chelsea finishing second this year in the Prem, maybe even first. Got him off on that. I'll have to go back and look at the old my old podcast list, see who I had winning the Prem. Um, Liverpool got a big win today, so they're in, they beat Tottenham 3-1. Uh, finally got some goals scored. I think it was like a 400-minute drought of goals, so that was big for them. I'd rather have Chelsea because they have a lot more talent and potential on their team than Arsenal does. Arsenal's kind of a shit show. Uh, so, yeah, I'd rather have Chelsea for sure. Uh, would you rather see Connor fight Dustin or Nate next? Or would you rather have... Connor fight Dustin or Nate next. Uh, Dustin for sure. Nate's a nice second, but I've D- Dustin's what we want first. NFL. Here we go. How crazy is it that Biennemi did not get hired? Absolutely insane. If I'm Dallas, I'm firing McCarthy, and I'm going to get Biennemi tomorrow or the day after the Super Bowl. I'm going to get Eric Biennemi. I don't get it. How is he? How did he not get a job? I know he really wasn't interested in the Houston job because Watson's you know up in the air, but. Good night. I mean, I can't believe he didn't get a job. I'm absolutely shocked. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm firing McCarthy the day after the Super Bowl, and I'm hiring Biennemi. Eat the money and go get Biennemi. Watson officially demands trade, wants to go to Jets or Dolphins, prefers Jets a little more over Dolphins because of the hiring of the head coach. He's he's really close with him. But a bunch of teams are in the mix. Like I said, uh, I think you're going to see the Redskins. You're going to see the Colts. Um you're going to see the Broncos. You're going to see the Patriots in the mix as well. Colts, I don't think they'll trade in division. So, But, uh, yeah, I think the uh, I think the Jets and Dolphins, I would rather go to the Dolphins if I'm, if I'm being honest, but maybe he just likes the Jets coach. So maybe he'll go there. We'll see what happens. Uh, Lions and Stafford will part ways. Lions will trade him. Where will he go? I put the Colts, Redskins, Patriots, Broncos, the top four options. Um, I would say Colts won. Hmm. I would go Redskins one because they have a for sure receiver. The Colts don't have one. They're losing T.Y. Hilton. And I still think Terry McLaurin is better than T.Y. Hilton anyway. So I'd go Redskins one, especially that defense is so set. And they could draft a receiver or draft a tight end, you know. So I'd go Redskins one, Colts two, Broncos three, Patriots four. Patriots four because, yeah, I think they're going to have a solid offseason, but their roster is not built better than, in my opinion, not built better than the Broncos, Redskins, or Colts right now. What's next for Rodgers and the Packers? Oh, what's next is they need to re-sign the center. They need to re-sign Aaron Jones. They need to go get another receiver and uh, just go on again. You know what You lose. You lost. You're the Final Four. You know, only one team can win it. They had a great year. 
uh, bounce back next year. Bills have a bright future, 100%. They'll be good in the future. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that the going in right now, obviously nothing's happened with the draft or the offseason, but they would be the second best team in the AFC going in next year. We'll see what changes happen over the course of the offseason, but yeah. Uh, Chiefs, Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Here we go. Mahomes, Brady. Um, so uh, my conference championship predictions. So here, okay, so my predictions at the end of the year, my record was 106 and 89, which is a 66.4 win percentage. Last year I had a 79.3 win percentage, so obviously a down year. Um, my spreads, though, I went 51 and 46, which is better. I was under 500 last year, so we're above 500 for sure. So my Super Bowl prediction is Chiefs 31, Buccaneers 23. And I'll lay down the I'll take the minus two and a half on the Chiefs. So yes, I got the Chiefs. Um Yeah, I, I, I don't I think it's very gonna be very similar to the Buffalo game. I think they'll just keep it a little tighter because I think the Buccaneers do have a better defense than Buffalo. I think you're gonna see the Chiefs blitz a lot, and Brady's had trouble against pressure. Um they're going to make him get the ball out quick. So uh, I think if you're Tampa, you counter a lot of screen passes, a lot of short intermediate routes. Um, and the Bucks are going to blitz too. So yeah, but I think the Chiefs are just better. And I'll think Chiefs minus two and a half. So now let's go to my official 2021 NFL Mock Draft 2.0. Obviously only a couple weeks later, but I wanted to do another one. I, you know, I saw, I've been looking at a lot of things, watching a lot of tape on guys and you know, this, the, the draft's getting weird because I'm actually implementing a trade into my mock draft. So I'm predicting a trade. So number one, I still have the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Trevor Lawrence with the one, number one overall pick. At number two, which is the New York Jets, I have them trading out. And uh, obviously this is me saying Houston isn't going to trade him to New York because obviously my mock draft will change if this happens. This is really my 1.5 mock draft. Let's call it the 1.5. This is my official 1.5 mock draft. I have then the Bengals trading up to two out of five. Jets moving down to five. I have the Bengals taking Panay Sewell, the tackle of Morgan. I think they know that if the Jets end up staying at two, there's a very good chance that they take Panay Sewell and they need Panay Sewell uh, in Cincinnati. So then number three, Dunmore. Obviously, I've done more watching tape on the receivers. I think Jamar Chase is just the best receiver in this draft. I think he has I think he has the chance to be the, you know, the biggest superstar and the best receiver out of this class. So I have the Dolphins taking Jamar Chase wide receiver out of LSU. At 4, I got the Atlanta Falcons taking Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State. The, what does that mean for Matt Ryan? I think they either look to trade Ryan or they're going to keep Ryan for one or two more years and let Fields learn behind him. Number five, Devontae Smith going to the Jets. Obviously, the Jets, I have the Jets moving down to five. They still get the receiver. And also, I'd say that the Bengals would trade their second-round pick, which I'm not doing two rounds yet. So the Bengals would be trading their early second-round pick also to move up. So the Jets would acquire another pick early in the second round. Um, Eagles, I have them taking Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Just All these receivers are too good for me to have them going any lower than six. I have, they, they all have to. What's crazy is I have all skill positions besides Panay Sewell going top eight. I have the next two or two quarterbacks. Uh, so at seven, I have the Detroit Lions. Obviously, you're going to trade Stafford. I have them taking Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU. At eight, I have the Carolina Panthers taking Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. Moving on to nine, the Denver Broncos take Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. 
If he's there, you got to take him. Because I also think there's a good chance that he can go higher. Will, will, as we get closer to the draft, he's going to probably go higher. At 10, I got the Cowboys taking Patrick Sertan, the cornerback from Alabama. At 11, the New York Giants select Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher out of uh, Miami. At 12, the San Francisco 49ers select Caleb Farley, the corner out of Virginia Tech. At 13, the Los Angeles Chargers select Rashawn Slater, tackle, all-round offensive lineman, basically. He can play tackler guard out of Northwestern. Same thing for Dereshaw. I think he can move around. Uh, Minnesota at 14 takes Christian Dereshaw out of Virginia Tech, the offensive lineman. At 15, I have the New England Patriots selecting Mac Jones. A lot of this mock, this is why I wanted to make it a 1.5, because a lot of this mock draft can trade after these quarterbacks get traded. Who knows? The Patriots might land Watson or Stafford. You never know. So this would obviously change if they landed one of those guys. But if they don't, and I'm saying they don't, they take Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama. At 16, I have the Cardinals taking Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. I think he could potentially go higher. The Cowboys are very interesting at 10 if they could take Pitts because they do need a tight end, in my opinion. Defense is more of a need, but if Pitts was there, I think it's going to be very hard for Jerry Jones not to take Kyle Pitts. But I have the Cardinals taking him at 16. At 17, I have the Oakland Raiders taking Kawiti Pea, edge rusher out of Michigan. At 18, I have the Miami Dolphins taking Jeremiah Owosu-Kormoa, linebacker from Notre Dame. At 19, I have the Washington Redskins taking Samuel Cosme, the tackle from Texas. At 20, I have the Chicago Bears taking Wyatt Davis, the interior O-lineman from Ohio State. At 21, I have the Indianapolis Colts selecting J.C. Horn, the corner from South Carolina. At 22, I have Tennessee, who needs pass rushing, taking Joseph Asai, the edge rusher from Texas. Jets took a... I thought about having the Jets take a running back here because they took Devontae Smith. I thought about having them take Najee Harris here because they do need a running back. But I had them taking Alicia Vera Tucker, the interior O-lineman from USC. That, that You just need that. You need that a little more than running back. You can go get a running back in free agency. Or second or third round in this draft. At 24, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama. They need tackle help. Could also use a potential pass rusher. Uh, Jacksonville, I have them taking an edge rusher. Aziz Olajari, the edge rusher from Georgia at 25. At 26, I have the Browns taking Christian Barmore from the D, the interior D lineman from Alabama. At 27, I have the Baltimore Ravens taking Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. At 28, I got the Saints taking Zaven Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. At 29, I have the Packers finally taking a round one wide receiver, Rondell Moore from Purdue. At 30, I have the Bills taking Najee Harris, who fits their style of run. They want to be power football, and they don't have a power football back. Najee Harris is a power football back. So I have the Bills at 30 taking Najee Harris. I then have the Buccaneers taking Jason Owe, edge rusher from Penn State. I think they probably lose Shaq Barrett. Go get Owe. He's nice. I really like him. Thought about picking Nick Bolton here for the Chiefs, the linebacker from Missouri. I went the rich get richer. I have the Chiefs picking Terrence Marshall Jr., the wide receiver from LSU. So that is going to conclude today's podcast. Um, see, it's Thursday. We'll be back Monday. Monday will be the next podcast. Uh, yeah. Monday or Tuesday for sure. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for the Super Bowl. Obviously not this weekend, but the following. WrestleMania, also this Sunday. Oh, not Wrestle, WrestleMania, my fault. It's, it's January. 
the Royal Rumble. WWE Royal Rumble is this Sunday. Always will watch that. That is that's one of the best pay per views there are for WWE. These next three are the best. You got the Rumble, Chamber, Mania. Line them up, knock them down, baby. So yeah, Royal Rumble this Sunday. Um, yeah, excited to get. That was my. We're changing that to my. 1.5 mock draft because a lot can happen, so we got to go point system here. We're going to go 1 to 1.5, and then 2 will be a lot more official, hopefully. Obviously, we did uh, my way too early in 2021 NBA draft, mock, NBA mock draft. Uh, I'll, do a more, I'll do a more in-depth one again, maybe not this next podcast, but the one after of the first full round, and I'll, I'll break down guys more and break down why I think these picks would make sense for this team. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Peace.